All right, so we'll say good evening, good evening. Let us begin. We are picking up <coughs> at the Mishnah on the bottom of Chof on the base 20B at the Mishnah. We saw beautiful, we ended off with beautiful, beautiful. I got it to last night, just about uh, whose beautiful favoritism of Klal Yisrael. And now we begin, now we begin a new Mishnah. Baal Keri, Mahar Her Belibo. So both say, so remember, we actually just learned this in Dafyomi as well, right? About one of the Takanas of Ezra. It's incredible, always beautiful when like Dafyomi Omidyomi intersect and overlap. So the Mishnah says as follows A Balkari, so a man who had a seminal mission, Maharher Belibo, Veino Mivarich Ultimately, again, he's Maharher Belibo. Mahar Belibo means he is not allowed to go ahead and say Kriyashma. Right? He's not allowed to say Kriyashma. Rather, ultimately, again, he goes ahead and he thinks Shma. Maharar Belibo, here her literally means thought. So he cogitates, right? In other words, he thinks the words of Shema in his mind, but he does not articulate them. Now, both say, now remember again, this is based on the Takana of Ezra. And Ezra said that if a man has a seminal emission, he is not permitted to speak words of Torah until he goes to the mikvah. He goes to the mikvah. So that's the Takana of Ezra. So, Ma'enobahar, and ultimately, again, he does not make the Birchos Kriya Shema before Shema or after Shema. That's the halacha. Okay. V'yala mazon, mevarich mevarich And for benching, he recites benching after he eats. Right? But he does not go to make a bracha before he eats. Now what's, now, what's the logic in that? So remember, again, here's what's interesting to note, is that ultimately, again, benching, remember again, benching is Doraisa. So we're going to see anything that's a door, right? So the Balkari is going to do it. We'll talk about Kriyashman just a bit, right? So ultimately, again, so the Balkari so doesn't make brachos before he eats because brachos before you eat are dirabanan, but he will recite benching after he eats because that is a chiyuv da'oraisa. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, Rabbi Huda says, no, the Balkari goes ahead and makes brachas before and after. Now we'll have to see before and after what he's referring to. We'll see in the Gemara. So we'll say, let's first analyze this first piece. So remember again, when the Mishnah introduces us to this concept, the first thing the Mishnah tells us is that a Balkari, when it comes time for Shema, goes ahead, doesn't say the words. Rather, what does he do? He thinks the words. Maharhar Balibo, he cogitates. He actively thinks about the words of Shema. So we'll say, it says the Gemara, Am Rabina, Zosomaris. What do you see from this? What do you learn from this? This teaches us, Hirhor Kedibur Dami. What this teaches us is that ultimately, again, thought is the equivalent of speech. Hirhor Kedibur Dami. Now we'll say, now why would you say that? Because if thought was not the equivalent of speech, Lama Maharher, then why even bother to cogitate on the words of Shema? Right? Think about it for just a moment. Right? If here or if thought was not like speech, then what exactly are you accomplishing by thinking about Shema? Oh, it's not each other. Okay, I guess it's always good to have positive thoughts. But Lamaisa, if the actual hearer is not like speech, then what are you accomplishing vis-a-vis Shema? So rather it must be, Elamai, hearer Kadibur Dami. So it must be that thought is just like speech. But what's the problem? If thought is the same thing as speech, then what? Yotzi Biswasav. Then say it. As I say, if here or if thought is the same thing, same thing as speech, then you might as well just actually say the words of Shema instead of just cogitating and thinking on them. To which the Gemara says, "You're right." This halach of Kriyashna Bosai is modeled after what our ancestors did by Har Sinai. 
What happened in Harsinai? Bo Sefi, look at Rashi. Rashi says over here, Kidash Kichon Besinai, Shefrishon Meisha, Dechsev, Al Tikshu Al Isha, the Aprisha Zu Samach, as well attacking Tevila Lebal Karyon, Kodim Shia Asku Batora. So Rabbi says, it's actually very interesting. Where did Ezra come up with this idea that after a man has a seminal emission, he can't learn Torah until he goes to the mikvah? Like, where, where, did, I, I understand what Ezra was trying to accomplish, right? What was he trying to accomplish? He was trying to get people, I will say, the, the true kidusha, true holiness, is when a person sanctifies themselves even with that which is permitted. Even with that which is permitted. So what does that mean? Something could be mut or something could be permitted. It doesn't mean necessarily that you should partake of it all the time, right? The paradigmatic example of this is you could eat meat and you could drink wine three meals, three meals a day. There is nothing halachically prohibited about that. I mean, it might not be good for your cholesterol, but, 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 you're, but you're allowed to do it. So, but we know that if a person does that, what happens? Well, like what happens? It, it, it creates a sense of gluttony. Right? If, if that's what you're doing every meal three times a day, but is it Asr? It's, it's not Asr. It's not Asr. So clearly, like, what was motivating Ezra was the notion that, you know, so in a marriage, of course, intimacy is, is permitted. Not only permitted, but encouraged. A pivotal part, an important part of the relationship. But even within a marriage, a person has to be careful not to go ahead and essentially engage in just constant self-indulgent, we'll call it intimately gluttonous behavior. So that's where Ezra's coming from. That's the logic. So if a man knows, he's permitted to be with his wife, but if he knows that ultimately you got to go to the mikvah before you come to Dafiomi, right? you got to go to the mikvah before you learn Torah, got to learn before you do that. So what, what, it, what it just does is it puts a person in a different headspace. Now, again, why we don't observe this takana today, different discussion, the Hasidim, actually, this is, part, this is the reason why the Hasidim go to the mikvah every single day. It stems ultimately, again, from takhanas Ezra. So why, why we don't do it as a whole, as a whole other discussion, not, not for now. But the, where does Ezra, so the, I understand the Svara, but where does Ezra get it from? So interestingly enough, it comes really from Harsinai. What happened by Harsinai, the halacha was, that husbands and wives had to physically separate, not, not live apart, but like intimately separate, for three days prior to Matan Torah. So Ezra said, you see this idea that for Sinaitic revelation, so man had to be pure from, from seminal emission. That, that was the idea. So Ezra took that concept and kind of created a takana, created an enactment around it. That, that's the idea. So therefore, I'll say, so interestingly enough, it's interestingly enough, so according to this first approach, Ezra said like this, that if a man had a similar mission, he can't say Shema until he goes to the mikvah. That's the halacha, right? But what can he do? He could think Shema. He could think Shema. Why? Because Hirhur is Kedibor Dami. Because thought ultimately, again, is the equivalent of speech. I have a thought is the equivalent of speech, then what? Then just say Shema. No, 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 because in that respect, he's modeling this whole Takana after Harsinai. Okay, interesting. So the Gemara goes back to the Gemara says, Rav Chista, Rav Chista says, Here her love could be dummy. Rav Chista disagrees. Rav Chista holds, actually, that's not true. He holds that thought is not like speech. These Sakharaitra, here her could be dummy. Because if you would think that thought is like speech, then just say it. If thought is the equivalent of speech, that means thinking it and saying it are the same thing. If that's the case, if that's the case, then just say it. So you have to say thought is not like speech. But if thought is not like speech, 
then what are you accomplishing? Thinking Shema. So the Gemara says, So Amr Lazar, this is incredible. What are we concerned about? Listen to this. It's so, it's so, so if Chisda said like this, if we would just say that when a man has a seminal emission, essentially he doesn't do anything. Right? In other words, don't think Shema, don't say Shema until you go to the Mikvah. What's going to be the problem? He might be sitting in the base Madrash. Everyone else is going to be saying Shema. And what? He's doing nothing. You can't do that. You can't have that. You can't, it's actually such, such a profound idea. You can't have a situation where, where the community is actively engaged in some type of dynamic spiritual activity and you're sitting on the side. You just, you just, you, you can't have a situation like that. So therefore, again, that's why the Mishnah says, okay, so I can't say Shema because I need to go to the mikvah, but everybody else is saying Shema. I'm not going to sit there counting ceiling tiles. I'll think Shema. Now, is thought the equivalent of speech according to this approach? No. So therefore, I'm not discharging an obligation, but at least I'm somehow involving myself in the spiritual activity of the collective. Jose, such a, such a beautiful idea that when you see the, whatever you want to call it, your kihila, your community, your family, your friend group, people are actively engaged in something positive, you can't be the odd man out, right? You have to figure out a way to be part of that dynamic. Incredible. So the Gemara goes right to the Gemara says, the Negro is a Pirkach, you know, but why not go ahead and just learn something? So in other words, so fine. So we don't want a person to be sitting there doing nothing while everyone else is saying Shema. So let him learn something else. Why does it have to be Shema? No, no, no. It's Tafka. If the Tzibor, if the congregation is involved in Shema, it almost looks inappropriate for me not to be involved in that. So therefore, even though I can't say Shema because ultimately I haven't gone to the mikvah, but at least I can think Shema. Even though thinking it is not the equivalent of speech, but at least like this, I'm involved with the kehila. So it's a, so it's also a very, um, it, it's it's also a very beautiful idea if you think about it. It's also saying that some, you know, the uh, the famous statement of Voltaire, that the 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 perfect is the enemy of the good. In other words, sometimes in life, especially in spirituality, we have this concept. We have this concept of like we aim for perfection, and we sometimes erroneously think that like if it can't be great or like close to perfect, it's not worth it. And that's so not true because, first of all, nothing in life is perfect, right? Nothing in life usually comes like a 10 out of a 10. And if you always aim for it, I mean, you see this, people, right? This happens all the time. Like, people want to take things on in life. I hear this all the time. People say, I only take on things that I know I could be successful in, right? Or I only take on something that I know I could bring to completion. I'm always thinking to myself, like, people like that must have a lot of free time. Because the truth is, how many things can you actually guarantee that you're going to bring into the finish line? Right? How many things can you guarantee perfection? And it's so beautiful because what is the Gemara saying over here? So we'll call the guy Ruvain. Right? So Ruvain, Ruvain had a seminal emission. He hasn't gotten to the mikvah. He's in shul. They're saying Shema. So now, okay, Ruvain, you can't say it. You can't you didn't go to the mikvah. You can't say it. But, so, so think it. But come on. Thinking is not speech. Thinking is not speech. Right? You're right. Thinking is not speech. But you know what? It's something. It's something. And something is always better than nothing. It's true in almost every area in life. Certainly true in spirituality as well. Such a something is always better than nothing. <coughs> Top of Chavahalat. <coughs> Excuse me. 21a. The Darashat Sibar Oskinbal. So what about Davening? What about Shmona Esrei? So now watch this. So now what about if a guy's a Balkari? 
And the tzibur is davening Shmona Esrei. So watch this. We learn about Shmona Esrei. Tinan. Haya omir b'tzfil levenizka shubal kari. Listen to this. A guy is davening Shmona Esrei. And in the middle of Shmona Esrei, he remembers that he had a seminal emission. Or not, not, not then. Right? In other words, he remembers the night before that he was intimate with his wife. Right? So and he didn't go to the mikvah. So what do you do? What do you do in a case like this? So the Gemara says, Lo yafsik Don't stop. Don't stop Shmona Esrei. Rather, what should you do? Just kind of be... Mekatsar means daven a shortened Shmona Esrei. So we'll discuss. We're actually going to devote a lot of time to that concept about a shortened Shmona Esrei. But the idea is don't stop. Don't, don't just stop in the middle. But kind of, you know, say, say it in a truncated form for the rest of the way. Now, here's what's interesting. Time of the Aschel. Now, the reason you only say a truncated conclusion to Shmona Esrei is because you already began it. What happens again if a man knows that he had a seminal emission and didn't yet begin Shemona Esrei? So what's the Lo You shouldn't start. You shouldn't start. So what do you see from here? What do you see from here is that if a man has a seminal emission, even though the Tzibor is doing something, we don't allow him to participate, even though they're all going to be engaged in dynamic spiritual activity, in this case, the Shemona Esrei, and he's going to be sitting there do, or standing there doing nothing. <coughs> To which the Gemara says, it's different, shiny tefillah, to lespe malchus shamayim. Shmona says different. Shmona says different than Shema. We'll say Shema is unique because Shema is the acceptance of the yoke of heaven. That's a dramatic thing. And that's so dramatic that you can't have it be, you can't have it be that everyone is saying Shema and one guy isn't doing anything. Shmona Esrei, okay, Shmona Esrei, as important as it is and as beautiful as it is and as holy as it is, it's not the acceptance of the yoke of heaven. And therefore, again, by Shemona Esrei, if Ruvay knows that he's a Balkari, then ultimately, again, he won't have Shemona Esrei. What about benching? Right, so benching, benching doesn't have acceptance of the yoke of heaven. We learned, So we'll say, yeah, by benching, by benching, what's Talacha? We say that a Balkari says benching. A Valkyrie says benching. So I don't understand. Why, why is a Valkyrie saying benching? To which the Gemara says, Okay, here it is. Here it is. I'll say. It's a much simpler distinction. That Remember again, I will say, this whole concept that a Valkyrie cannot engage in davening or Torah before going to the mikvah. What's the source of that enactment? What's the source? Right? So the... the, the it is a rabbinic enactment modeled after Har Sinai. But it's rabbinic. But it's rabbinic. In general, rabbinic law only has the ability to impact other rabbinic law. doesn't usually have the ability to impact biblical law. So therefore, again, Ezra, you can make your takana, and that's fine. So your takana ultimately, again, will, will prevent you from doing other rabbinic things. So for example, if you're a Balkari, didn't go to the mikvah, you don't have Shemona Esrei. Why? Shemona Esrei is Dirabanon. What won't Ezra's takana impact? Mitzvahs da'oraisa. So Shema, there's a biblical obligation. Benching, especially if you're full, there's a biblical obligation. So whenever you have a biblical obligation, the takana of Ezra, which is a rabbinic enactment, will not go ahead and trump your biblical obligations. So therefore, Allah so what comes out, is if a man had a seminal mission, didn't go to the mikvah, he wouldn't damage Shemona Esrei, 
but he would daven shema. He would daven shema. Ultimately, again, and he would recite Berkas Hamozim benching because both those are darai. So, like I said, contemporarily, contemporary a little bit different today because we don't re- really this. You know, the Mishnah brings down. He actually says that the, what we do today for Takana Ezra, he says is tisha kabin, a shower, a shower. That if a man, if a man has a seminal emission, he should at least try to go at Tisha Kabin. You pour, Kabin is an amount. You pour nine Kabin. I, I think the post can bring down that it's like the equivalent of like a six minute shower. You know, some, that, that amount of, well, I guess it depends on your water pressure, your water. So what is it? Seven, seven minutes. Sorry, seven minute shower. I guess it depends also on your water pressure or, or, or whatever else. Right, but that, that ultimately goes ahead and counts as Tisha Kabin which could technically speaking go ahead and take care of that, of that particular obligation. Okay, a lot more to say on that halachically, but, but we'll leave this for now. Good, let's go right. So here we go. Now we mentioned benching. We're going to get into some really great Gemaras over here. So, Amar Rav Yehuda. We'll say, from where do we know that after you eat, you bench? That's all. Where, where, where do I know it from? All right, I go ahead and I, where do I know the concept of benching? Shneemar, v'yachalta, v'savata, it's one of these beautiful Gemaras. What does Yerbo say? It's just the Pasuk, right? You will eat, you will be satiated, and you will bless Hashem. That's the concept of Berkas HaMazon. Yerbo said also, by the way, that also tells me that when does benching take place? Benching takes place after you eat. How do you know it takes place after you eat? Because the progression. You'll eat. Visavato, you'll be satiated, uverachto, and then you will bless. So from here you see two things. Number one, the concept of benching, and number two, the concept that benching takes place after you eat. Good. So we'll say, how do you know? This is interesting. Right? Every single morning we recite Berchasatora. How do you know that Berchasatora is recited before you learn? Where do you get that from? Beautiful Pasik. Moshe Rabbeinu says, when I call out the name of Hashem, right, give greatness to our God. So this idea over here is that essentially, when you call out the name of God, when do you call out the name of God? Every single time a person learns Torah, they are effectively calling out the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So when Moshe Rabbeinu says, when I call out the name of God, or essentially, before I call out the name of God, Give ascribe greatness to our Kaddish Baruch Hu. What's that greatness? That's Birchas Torah. That's Birchas Torah. We'll say a really, a really beautiful, beautiful, just like a like a straightforward, a straightforward Gemara. I'll just read one more line, then we'll stop for tonight. Amrav Yochanan Lamanu Birchas Torah Lachareha Min Birchas Hamazon Mikal Vachomer O Birchas Hamazon Lefaneha Min Birchas Torah Mikal Vachomer. So Yochanan essentially says, you learn each of these out based on a Kavachomer. Now, we'll say Kavach Homer, right? We know what a Kavach Homer is. What's the Kavach Homer? Here we go. Birchas Torah Lacharem, Birchas Mazen Kavach Homer. We learn out Birchas Torah. Birchas Torah. Ultimately, again, that you should even say Birchas Torah afterwards from Birchas Hamaz. Let me Kavach Homer. Mam Mazen Shein Taun Shein Taun Shein Taun the fun of Taun Lacharav. So food where there's no biblical obligation to make a bracha before you eat. There is a biblical obligation to make a bracha after you eat. Torah, Torah, which does require a bracha before you learn it, should what? Certainly require a bracha after you learn it. Okay. 
או בירכס המזון, בירכס המזון לפניה מן בירכס התורה מקו החומר, and you can learn out the obligation to bench, even before you eat, from a קו החומר, from בירכס התורה, what's the קו החומר? ומה התורה שאין תונה לאחריה, תונה לפניה, so Torah which only requires a bracha before you learn it, but doesn't require a bracha after you learn it, מזון שהוא תון לאחריו, אין עוד דין שאי תון לפניו, then food, which already does require a bracha afterwards, certainly should require a bracha beforehand as well. To which the Gemara says, this whole Kav HaChomer doesn't work. Why? We'll say, so beautiful. You can't really compare the two. Food and Torah are two different things. Right? Food, ultimately, there's physical benefit. And Torah is eternal. Torah is eternal. So you can't really compare the two. Furthermore, Furthermore, the Mishnah explicitly says that there is only a biblical obligation to make a bracha after you eat, but no biblical obligation to make a bracha before you eat to yofta. So therefore, we'll say what comes out is that we recite birchas Torah before we learn, we recite birchas hamazon, benching after we eat, but we will see that there is a rabbinic concept of a bracha, rishon a bracha, before we go and eat, we'll say, Shkoyach. All right, everyone's invited to join us for Hasidus. Yes, Hashem. In the base, Madrish.